Thank you very much again. And um, we'll welcome our next speaker, Dr. Dorota Sasha Kroll, um, Executive Officer, Harm Reduction Australia, and her talk on harm reduction approaches to drug policy on a, an Australian perspective. Dr. Doretta Sasha Scroll has um, worked in a number of policy positions across Australian public services and has extensive experience in research and policy development relating to international drug policy, law enforcement and alcohol and other drug treatments. Please join me in um, welcoming Dr. Dorota Sasha Kroll. Thank you. Um, Dorota Saha Kroll, um, 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 Executive Officer at Harm Reduction Australia, and previously I worked for eight years at AFP, so um, very much a sort of law enforcement uh, focus on um, drug um, policy. And more recently, I actually worked at the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet on the treatment side, but all of it uh, very much policy um, rather than, than um, actual sort of practice. So, um, so we set up uh, Harm Reduction Australia um, probably a year and a half ago. We launched it at Parliament House in October 2015. So it's a fairly new organisation. Um, it was um, launched by uh, Richard Di Natale and a couple of um, politicians from both parties. But obviously it's a fairly new entity, so we just wanted to introduce ourselves to you. Um, uh, the presentation's a bit wordy because I copied a lot of stuff from the website, but um, basically I just want to go through um, some of the key questions and, um, and explain our approach to harm reduction in drugs policy. So, um, as the International Harm Reduction Association says, um, harm reduction um, are basically policies, programs and practices that aim to reduce the harms associated with the use of drugs in people who are either unwilling or um, unable to stop um, taking them. The defining features are basically the focus on the prevention of harm rather than on the preven prevention of drug use and the focus on people who continue to use drugs. Uh, harm reduction actually has been a principle of our um, national drug strategy for the last, I think, 30 to 40 years. However, oftentimes we pay a bit of lip service to it and, as you'll see in a bit, um, we don't necessarily um, invest enough money in, in harm reduction um, interventions. Um, so, yeah, as I said, a few different uh, questions that we normally get from our website. Um, one of the really popular ones is, does HR encourage drug use? Um, the evidence very much shows that, uh, that HR programs do not, in fact, um, lead to an increase in drug use. Uh, probably the best um, use case, I guess, um, is the case of Portugal, where, as you probably know, um, all drug use uh, was decriminalized 15 years ago, and the results um, and assessments have been very promising. Definitely no uh, increase in use, some, uh, some reductions depending on specific drugs, and um, an increase in people seeking help um, for uh, drug-related pro pro programs, uh, problems, but definitely um, you know, no anticipated huge increases or waves of drug users showing up at, um, at clinic doors. Um, do we advocate legalizing illicit drugs? Um, we definitely... Um, advocate legalizing all use of drugs as opposed to obviously you know the other side law enforcement side of of, um, of uh, drugs drug selling and, and smuggling um, we believe that um, criminalizing people who use drugs is actually counterproductive 
and harmful to them and to the society and their communities. It basically prevents users from seeking help in the first place. Um, it, um, it jeopardizes their well-being as well as the well-being of their families and communities. Um, we also are concerned about the spending expenditure side of, of, of this issue. Basically, we spend a lot of uh, money on, on the law enforcement side of, um, of drug um, issues, drug policy. Um, on the correctional services, uh, when people are um, funneled into the correctional services and justice system. Uh, instead of it, we should be, if we criminalize drugs, we believe that we could redirect major funds towards prevention, support and treatment, uh, thus resulting in improved social and economic, economic outcomes. Um, do we condone drug use? This is an often um, asked question. Uh, we, we don't condone or condemn drug use. We simply recognize we are non-judgmental and simply recognize that people have used drugs for you know, t thousands of years and that they will continue to use drugs, at least a, a small percentage of people. Uh, so rather than, than make judgments about people's use of drugs, we believe that we just should concentrate on reducing the harm of um, whatever drugs people are taking and provide opportunities for people to reduce or manage or stop using drugs um, as, they, as they choose to do so. Um, do we advocate um, decriminalizing all drugs, so-called hard drugs, as well as soft drugs such as marijuana? Um, we, we do. We don't make judgments, um, um, value judgments between the drugs. Um, as you probably know, there's been a lot of, um, I guess, conversation and controversy lately about drug use and the so-called drug, ice, uh, sorry, ice use and the so-called ice epidemic. Um, we, we don't think it's a productive approach to, to drug treatment. We, we think that drug um, use, if, if it becomes the, uh, problematic, as it sometimes does, should be treated as a health problem and not a legal one. As you probably know, if it's treated as a legal one, people get arrested, um, oftentimes get a criminal record, um, oftentimes at a really young age, and there are ongoing consequences to, to do with their options for employment, travel, and, um, and the range of other opportunities. Um, we also find uh, that, you know, sometimes there is a bit of, as you probably have noticed yourself, a bit of a sort of hype to do with specific drugs and it goes in waves. Sometimes it's to do with heroin, sometimes more recently it's to do with ice. Um, I think it's important to know that there are treatment options for, for um, all, of, all of the drugs that people take. Um, and the evidence is clear that the best investment um, that we can make um, in reducing drug use and its harms is via uh, treatment and not law enforcement interventions. Uh, once again, we argue that the research is clear, especially from places, as I said, like Portugal and some states in the US, that uh, drug use does not suddenly increase in countries where drug use has been decriminalized. Um, it, uh, it, it actually um, has been the case that, that there are a um, larger number of people actually seeking treatment, which, which seems to be, um, which is, seems to be um, Instinctive, because obviously uh, the whole idea is to destigmatize um, drug use and seeking treatment, which people um, oftentimes then, then do. Um, how do we distinguish between drug use and abuse? We basically, as I said, we, we don't make judgments about this. We believe that drug use, um, that most people, um, statistics show um, that most people use drugs um, with no problem or minimal problems. There is, a, there is a small minority of people who have problematic drug use issues. Um, and we believe that, that we need to focus on our interventions on them and
and, um, and on the problems which are basically health problems. Uh, another um, question is, I guess, to do with the impacts on, on the healthcare system, which is, as we know, underfunded and oftentimes over overwhelmed um, with demand. So, um, so we believe uh, from the research that we've seen uh, from overseas that more people would be likely to, to seek help in the initial stages of um, decriminalizing drug use, but that these increases would be actually um, offset by reduced expenditure um, within the criminal justice system, which is extremely uh, expensive, and obviously longer term health savings from in early intervention and treatment. So, um, access to um, pharmacotherapy pro programs, uh, peer based user organizations, and um, NSP programs um, all contributed to very low levels of. Um, of uh, HIV and Hep C infections in Australia, and as a result, saved a lot of money. Um, what HR programs do we have in place currently, and what should we have? Um, so we've got, as you probably know, a number of um, community and pharmacy-based um, NSP programs in place, which are probably the, the most well-known and common um, HR interventions in Australia. We also have some methadone uh, programs for people using opioids. There's unfortunately only one um, supervised injecting facility in Sydney. I would like to see more of them and also ICE um, consumption rooms. Um, but uh, it's obviously a hard um, policy to push. Um, there are numerous treatments, as I said, aiming, uh, targeting people with, with, uh, with meth problems as well as other um, problems, um, including some really innovative approaches in Sydney that provide control management for, um, for meth use. Um, and as, as I've said, it's really important for us to uh, work closely with peer-based organizations because they've been uh, uh, an enduring part of the, of the community and have provided us with a lot of um, uh, great ideas and, um, uh, and valuable input to the work that, that we've been doing. Um, there's, there's a range of programs we would like to see. I think we just um, decided to go with, uh, with the top three, which would be for us to um, include, uh, to introduce heroin prescription programs, um, decriminalized of personal drug use, and also prison-based needle and syringe programs. But obviously there are many, many different interventions. I thought it was an in interesting slide um, explaining um, the uh, impact of um, NSP in Australia. So as you, it, it's an Australian um, success story, I guess, in terms of harmonization. As you can see, globally, 19% of people who inject drugs um, are living with AIDS, with HIV, sorry. Uh, in, uh, in Indonesia, where um, response um, to harm reduction has been very slow, we've got 50% of people um, living with HIV. In the US, where we've got some um, HR um, uh, interventions, but not, not very extensive ones. We've got 9% of people, and in Australia we've got 1.5, which as you probably know is one of the lowest um, rates in the world. So, so um, a, a great example of, um, of what happens when we engage with um, HR interventions um, early on in a, in a health crisis. Um, it also saves us a lot of money. Uh, this is from a study from the Department of Health and Aging uh, from 2010, which basically shows uh, return on investment for NSPs. Uh, as you can see, uh, there are literally thousands of HIV cases um, 
avoided, almost 100,000 of uh, Hep C cases avoided, and uh, a few thousand um, prevented prevented deaths. Um, the estimate basically showed that in spending one dollar on NSP interventions, we saved twenty-seven dollars. Unfortunately, as I've mentioned, um, when uh, when estimates were um, done of how much we spent on various interventions, it turned out uh, this is as of two thousand and ten. Turned out that unfortunately, sixty-six percent of all spending um, goes to law enforcement, um, twenty-one to treatment, nine to nine point two to prevention, and two point one to harm reduction measures, which is obviously. Um, we would like to see uh, rebalanced and recalibrated. Unfortunately, what happens with the law enforcement interventions is that they tend to put the wrong people in jail. It's not the big, um, you know, the big wigs and uh, big cartel uh, people that tend to go mostly to jail. As you can see, 80% um, of all arrests were actually for possession as opposed to supply, and 87 of all um, possessions were actually for cannabis, cannabis possessions. Um, as you'll see, the, it sort of goes, goes against the public attitudes to what should happen to people who are caught with um, uh, in possession of small amounts of marijuana, but unfortunately this is the, the true picture of what, what happens in the law enforcement um, justice system. Um, uh, basically funding, as, you, as we all know, is driven by people's attitudes to, uh, in this case, drugs and drugs policies. This is just, it looks a bit blurry, but basically it's the whole idea that, you know, um, some drugs are okay and some are basically not because, because they aren't. Um, an interesting look at the most recent um, National Drug Strategy Household Survey, which was um, completed three years ago. There's a new one coming up. It's basically a mixed bag of findings to do with people's attitudes um, to drug use. As I said, um, I think you know politicians obviously have moved recently on can cannabis, so that's probably because um, there was obviously a lot of support from from people. Two thirds of people supported um, a change to permit the use of cannabis for medicinal purposes, um, and even more to support a clinical trial of cannabis to treat um, medical conditions. But only one quarter basically I believed that the personal use of cannabis should be legalized. Um, in terms of people's opinions about um, appropriate actions for small possessions, uh, small possession of, of cannabis, uh, of, of drugs in general, for cannabis most people thought um, it was appropriate to caution, warn or no action, and for all other drugs it was basically a referral for treatment and um, education programs. So even though um, I guess the, the overall attitudes tend to be fairly conservative. It shows that people do not favor um, sending people to prison for possessions of small amounts of marijuana or cannabis. In terms of injecting drugs, um, the way the survey, was, the survey was designed was a bit sort of confusing, but two-thirds of people supported different both abstinence and HR-based measures, such as rapid detox, NSP, uh, methadone uh, maintenance programs, um, treatment with drugs other than methadone, and naltrexone. Uh, as I said, it's really important for us to stay engaged with the peer-based organizations and users. Um, in terms of uh, users, they tend to be, um, not surprisingly, more open to experimenting with um, HR approaches. Um, the least support amongst general population was for prescribed heroin treatments, whereas, um, whereas the users supported it in 66% um, 
of the time. And obviously, support for NSP was extremely high amongst users, um, reaching a record 90% um, expenditure. So uh, one of the questions basically uh, looked at a hypothetical $100 that people could spend on either treatment, law enforcement, or education on, on harm reduction, uh, sorry, on uh, uh, tobacco, illicit drugs, and alcohol. And while the use of alcohol and tobacco basically um, attracted a lot of support for funding and treatment, it was most money pe people wanted to spend on, on education and treatment. For illicit drugs, unfortunately, um, the emphasis was still on law enforcement uh, with little change over um, recent years. Uh, I think it changed, uh, yeah, um, a tiny amount from the previous reporting period, which was, I think, three years before. As you can see, it's still um, much less money than we're actually currently spending because it's um, 30, around 40, whereas uh, as, I, as the, the previous slide showed, now we spend 66% of, of, uh, on um, online enforcement. So uh, in, terms of, in terms of nurses' um, views and opinions on, um, on drug policies, um, nurses basically, as I, as, I, as, we, as I found out in a, in a study which was published in 2011 in the Australian Journal of Advanced Nursing, uh, nurses' opinions basically uh, mirror journal views, the general population. There, is a, there was a really um, high approval for NSP programs, but there were unfortunately mistakenly optimistic views about um, abstinence-based uh, measures such as rapid detox and naltrexone which were um, not necessarily based in evidence. Um, there was also less support for um, important HR measures which um, have a solid evidence base, such as methadone maintenance programs and safe injecting rooms. Um, as I said, the, the low approval for these um, and the stress on abstinence only or, or abstinence-based measures is actually at odds with, um, with the evidence base. Uh, and the authors of the study suggested that there is quite a bit of need for education in, on the evidence base for various um, illicit drug treatments and modalities. Um, so this is just a, a little saying. I'm not actually quite, quite sure if it's actually from Confucius, but uh, I guess the point that we're trying to make is that we've, that we've had a certain approach to, to drug use uh, and treatment that hasn't um, come up with uh, successful um, outcomes and dividends, and we think it's probably time for a rethink of our policies and um, basically trying something new. So this is our website, um, Harm Reduction Australia, um, which outlines um, our policies, what we do, um, regular news, uh, and also um, allows you to join. It's a, um, it's a totally member-based organization, and we've got a number of advocates, so we would also welcome you to um, to join the ranks of the advocates. Thank you. Um, any questions that anybody has at this point? I don't know if you know the answer. Um, I was just curious of the rapid detox and the now trexone. Um, you, you seem to, uh, how much success do we have with those? Like it seemed like a negative thing you wrote there. I can't remember the exact words that was on that. Bit. About naltrexone or...? Yeah, like, you, I can't remember the exact wording, but um, I got the impression that you weren't... Oh, um, you mean in regards to what the nurses think? Yeah, there was something... Oh, it's basically... Uh, yeah, you, uh, this don't be optimistic, yeah. Yeah, you I think there... 
do you not do they not think that it's a great idea to have those two rapid detox and naltrexone, or, and why? I think I think there's been a lot, a lot of evidence that shows that um, abstinence-based measures are not as successful as people oftentimes think. I don't have yeah. like the specific percentage to do with um, rapid detox to, to give to you. Yeah. But yeah, it's obviously um, I don't know if it's historically it was the preferred option, and it, it, there's been oh, it's quite old-fashioned the rapid well, detox. Well, it's not really old-fashioned, and we definitely support we definitely support yeah. people who want to choose abstinence. We've got uh, we, we we want for people to be able to um, access all options. Yeah. But I think there is there has been too much stress on that side of of um, as this as the study shows basically. So we yes, because many years ago I worked um, um, for a, strict, a, a length of time in the Villawood Immigration <coughs> Detention Centre, and rapid detox is what they were using mm. there because they they were short term people that were probably yeah. going to get deported and they didn't know their medical histories. No. and they were saying we I'm you know I need to have methadone and. There was no evidence, so they said, you know, you can do rapid detox. Yes. But I don't know. Yes, yes. It was yes. very effective for the something. Yeah, as yeah, I said, the, the evidence tricky. shows that, 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 yeah, focusing on the abstinence side is, has, has not been as, uh, as effective as we, as we tended to think. Mm. Mm. Hello, my name is Catherine, and I work in a detox. And... I don't think it's the nurses that are so, uh, so much just wed to the abstinence idea patients are. Mm. And they don't like methadone. Because mm. we offer it all. Mm. And there is certainly a place for methadone, and yeah. we try to get them to stabilise on it at least. Yeah. But they really all want to come off it usually. Yeah. And the other thing is that um, I'm not sure about what you mean about the evidence because I've seen lots of evidence of abstinence being very effective and giving good quality recovery That's so, what so that people actually are leading lives where they feel free and they don't have that ball and chain of the methadone. Absolutely, we support people's choices to, to choose um, abstinence. We're just saying like this study has shown that, that it's not for everyone. The, the, the no, I, I, there's a lot of people who obviously, as I said, you know, the nurses mirror what the, what the people generally think, so it all makes sense. Yes, a lot of people don't want to stay on, me on methadone. Hi, my name's Alan. We've just reviewed the drug screening policy for family community services, and originally for restoration we had to have total abstinence. We've actually had to step back, and I'm pleased to hear your presentation today. We're looking at a reduction. Yes. And unfortunately, personally, this is me speaking, I would prefer abstinence. The reality is it's not going to happen. No. And it's not a defeatist attitude, it's a realist attitude. And the studies do show that, um, yes, people can have controlled drinking, they can have controlled drug use, but it's about reducing that risk. And for us, it's about the serious, persistent drug use that impacts on their parenting capacity and the capacity to live their life to their fullest. I worked in this area for a long time and there has been more of a push for maintenance therapy and harm reduction than for abstinence. In fact, the number of um, detox and uh, rehab beds have been vastly reduced and people are beating down our door to get in. I'm saying that if you don't work with the plan that the patient has or client or consumer, whatever you want to call it, if you don't work with their plan, you're going to get nowhere. 
And you can, you can think that you know better, but no, no, I'm not saying you don't, but it's, it's not the staff that are driving it, it's the patients. And I think that you always try to find out what the patient's plan is and support them in it. You may try to deviate them slightly, but they will still go with their plan. Any other questions? Um, I've got one, and that would be, what's the biggest resistance, do you think, to harm reduction or even um, the same thing that happened in Portugal where they just took away all the um, criminal offences re related to drug use? Mm. I think the cultural sort of constructs around drugs, you know, as I said with that, with that little picture, obviously we know that alcohol um, has been extremely harmful to a large number of people and a major problem for us for you, but because of its cultural meaning, its cultural sort of enmeshment in our society, it's got a totally different um, so social and, and cultural meaning. Whereas drugs, you know, a lot of people don't understand uh, um, what, what drugs do. Drugs are illegal. There is a lot of fear around drugs. I think that there is a lot of conservative opinions around drugs, which is fair enough, you know. Uh, people can only operate on what they, what they, what they know. Or so, what they're told. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've talked about the war on drugs has been going for a long time. It hasn't succeeded. Our outcomes are still poor. New South Wales is going to increase the number of jails, uh, jail beds shortly. And I presume that's going to be for the drug population or drug users. Um, there was a good program on ABC just recently about how, how to make money on selling drugs. It sounds like a funny um, title, but if you can catch it on iView, I suggest you have a look at it. It's the American um, model about mm. their situation. I think, I can't remember what the figures are, but they incarcerate something like, I don't know, what is it, 13 to 15, 25% of the population. They incarcerate more people than anywhere else in the world. That's crazy. Mm. Let's not go down that path. I'm Linda. I work at a withdrawal unit at um, Odyssey House, and I know how limited we are with beds. Now, if they're going to increase jail beds, why can't we have more withdrawal units? So, no, 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 no. I, I think it's good. I think this debate is good because it actually makes people think about what is the direction we want to go. But um, I, look, I, are there any other questions that anybody wants to ask? Because I'm conscious that it's the end of the day and people are getting, um, um, trying to beat the traffic, I think that's probably <laughs> what it is. And certainly in America, the jail system is privatised. And it's beginning to happen here in Australia as well. So I think it is about this privatisation and you know, getting people to make money. Perhaps if I could just, uh, one more question. Just as a mother of young adults, I'm concerned about my children and drug taking. Um, and I assume they probably do. <laughs> but what I'm concerned about, what I'm wondering about is when you say, uh, money being spent in certain areas. How 
we in Australia placed for drug testing? Oh, the pill testing, yes, very much so. So as you probably know, I don't know if you've heard, but there's been quite a bit of news recently about pill testing. Um, there's supposed to be a trial in Canberra actually coming up uh, very soon. There are a few organisations that are um, that are uh, involved. I think what happened was that someone spoke a bit too soon and that because we've got an election in, um, in the ACT coming up, the government was for forced to come out and say they were against the in initiative, although apparently they were actually quite... Um, um, th th there was quite a bit of discussion, and they were not—they um, uh, were not against it. But now that they actually got exposed, and people announced it before the election, it seems that that they are against suddenly the, the testing. So uh, recently, in the news, there was an article about um, one of the organisations actually proposing acts of um, civil disobedience and testing anyway at the at the at the festivals, which obviously will be kind of illegal because because the government in the ICT said no, and the police now were forced to say no as well because you. Know, it's illegal, so um, we'll be very interested in this trial, and we'll be very much pushing for, for pill testing. Uh, look, thank you very much for your presentation today. Thank you.